Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Toogie's Take podcast. I am here alongside Mr. Sin for the win today as Endo Mills has passed out somewhere <laughs> because that man has somehow a worse sleep schedule than I do. Sin. It's good to have you back. Yeah, How back. are you? How's the week been? Uh, I'm I'm fantastic, man. The week's been good. Um, I had oh yeah, I've I've been playing the this game called Medieval Dynasty, and it's fantastic. I've as I get older, I've noticed like I I'm leaning further and further away from competitive style games and just getting more into those relaxing ass like just have fun games. And Medieval Dynasty is one of them. There's no point to it. You just you just build a fucking village and maintain it. That that's the entire game. And it's amazing. It's like Minecraft meets Skyrim. <laughs> that, you know, now that you say that, I'm like, yep, that is that is the type of game you would play. <laughs> like everything I know about you, it's yep. like, if I could, if, describe Sin's perfect game. <laughs> that. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, everybody, again, we are back for another Friday show. Want to give everyone a heads up right out of the gates. Don't know what will happen uh, for this upcoming Tuesday's show. I am going to be down in Boston for a day or two. Going to catch me an episode of AEW Dynamite Live at Ganis Arena, uh, which is great. Uh, I'm going down with a couple of friends, so it's nice to kind of get away. And then obviously in April as well, yeah, dude, I hope I hope Dan Housen's there so badly. So badly. I will get to see the Hardy Boys live, though, for the, nice. for the first time. Matt, Jeff, at a tables match. They're in their 40s, and they're still doing it. Shit's nuts, but I'll take it. Um, so, yeah, going to have a hell of a time there. And then later on in April, of course, there is uh, there's some vacation time for me as well. So April shows might be few and far between for this month. I'll try to keep you guys updated as best I can. But at the very least, Sin and I are here today to talk about everything that's happened in the past couple of days in the hockey world. Before we get into that, though, as always, need to mention that this show was brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. You can use code Toogie at checkout for 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping. Again, that is code Toogie at checkout. Manscaped, the place to get the best tools for the job. Take care of those nose and ears, hair with the weed whacker. Take care of your face. Take care of your balls. Take care of everything that you need to take care of. Manscapes the place. Code Toogie. Twenty percent off. You won't regret it. Sin. Your thoughts, really quickly, because this past Tuesday's episode, we we had some interesting talking points, some unfortunate yeah. talking points as well. And I wanted to give you kind of a chance. It's kind of become the theme since you've had the shift to Fridays only of like, hey, you missed the last show. Did you have any thoughts you wanted to share? Um, obviously, kind of highlighted by the fact that uh, there was the very unfortunate passing of one Eugene Melnick. Uh, and as well, there was some of that early news from the uh, NHL GM meetings. Yes. Um, the Eugene Melnick thing caught me completely off guard. I like just tuned into Twitter every so often as I do. And I see that he passed away and it's just extremely heartbreaking. You know, uh, your opinions on him, his ownership style, all that aside. I mean, that's way too young. Uh, and you know, he, you could like at the very least, you could tell he cared about that team just because how involved he wanted to be. You can make the argument whether or not an owner should be that involved, but he definitely cared. Eric Carlson was quoted as, yeah, even even though they didn't talk much when he left Ottawa, he sent him flowers on the birth of his his kid. You know, it's, you know, good. I think overall, it's, just, it's you know, it's a good human. And, yeah, complicated legacy aside, it's just very, very sad that I had no clue that he was even sick or battling health issues. I don't know if anyone did, yeah. but 
No, yeah. it wasn't very public. Outside of the, the liver transplant, I believe, in 2015, I don't really think it was out there for the public, if at yeah. all, uh, that he was in poor health. Um, the other thing I know you kind of had a, at least a take on, again, from the NHL GM meetings, one of the things that was out there yeah. was uh, the status of the World Cup of Hockey in 2024, and uh, my understanding is you have no interest in it anymore. No. I mean, I, I usually, like, I've, especially this year, I, I hate to say it, like, I'm, I'm becoming, a, at least in a lot of ways, a more casual hockey fan. Um, <laughs> well, I'm still, you know, very, very heavily in the Sharks, but most of the time I'd always consider myself a hockey fan first and Sharks fan second. But, man, this year, I don't know, I've just had so much going on where I've really kind of uh, not been keeping up as much. But, yeah, uh, I never watched the World Cup of Hockey too much. I, I, I'm i usually just, you know, NHL Olympics type guy. But I watched when they had Team North America and Team Europe because that was interesting. It was this new kind of thing like, hey, here's all the young guys Here's let's put an underdog in the mix of all these he heavy hitters, like guys who maybe weren't going to make their teams or I mean, maybe some of them would. But like, I thought it was awesome. And that, I watched the shit out of that. And I haven't watched one since. I don't even know how often it's on. I just heard about that. Well, mm. and now I'm that was the last one, actually. Oh, was it? So, Is it every three yeah. years thing like the actual World Cup or uh, so? I think they were planning on having one in oh, 2020 or around 2020. Um, you know, plans, plans oh, changed a yeah, lot. How, how long mean, ago was that one? Don't tell me it was like 2017. Uh, 2016. What? 2016 was the last one, I believe. No. Yeah. 2016. Oh it was, yeah. Uh, Cause McDavid was, was like six a year years in and Matthews was a rookie or something stupid. Yeah. They both, uh, yeah, they were both on that <gasps> under 23 team. McKinnon was on that under 23 That's team. That's right. That, it would have been that long ago then. That sucks. Okay. Yep. All right. Cool. Yep. Cool. It's, um, <laughs> I mean, the, the problem is, like, there's only been three of these tournaments in the, the league's history, right? 96, mm. 2004, and 2016. And obviously, it's in direct conflict with, like, okay, what's their status in terms of going to the Olympics? Because it pretty much lines up. Right. So, yeah, I mean, well, in fairness, it lines up more with the Summer Olympics than it does the Winter Olympics. So, who, who knows what they'll do? Yeah, I would like to say, forward. like, just the one thing. Um, I saw a lot of, like, arguments being made, like, Oh, this will help legitimize the tournament more. I'm like, why? Like, why does everyone want to have this, like, this weird hockey thing of, like, everything's got to be so fucking culturally acceptable and it's got to be legit. It's like, man, the entertainment factor of having the, the young guns, like Team North America and Team Europe was, I don't know, in my opinion, mm -hmm. enough to draw more eyes and. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I see I, both sides of it, though, but fuck, man. Why can't things just be for fun sometimes? I'll never view the World Cup of Hockey as, like, this this thing to overly celebrate. It's Neither. not the Olympics. Yeah. It's not. You know, at the end of the day, like, unless you're telling me that all the top players from, uh, you know, the guys from the SHL have a chance to make Team Sweden or the KHL, like, it's just not, it's not going to be that. Yeah. It just isn't. Like, you have to have, like, the Olympics to me are, in theory, it's not always the case. Shout out to 2016 Canada that I think left Sidney Crosby off to bring all the old men uh, to Torino. <laughs> Good decision that was, by the way. Uh, <laughs> almost 20 years removed from that and still just one of the worst uh, management decisions I've ever seen in hockey. Um, it just really is that idea of you're not going to get the best of the best of the World Cup of Hockey instead of the Olympics. So, it's kind of where it's at. Uh, with that, though, oh, God, we have a ton to talk about today. 
It is the first of a new month. Happy April Fool's Day, everybody. Uh, the worst goddamn holiday there is. Let's all lie for the day and say, gotcha! It's, it's the fucking worst. Can we please... Can we please end this bullshit? Oh, Tuki, you're just saying that because you fall for shit. No, I don't! I avoid Twitter and Reddit and everywhere, essentially, on this day because it's not worth my time. Like, goddamn, I, and literally, whenever you see something happens, like, oh, the LA Dodgers acquired Craig Kimbrell. Is that real? Can I trust it? God damn it. It's just, I think the problem, Sin, let's, let's make this real. My problem with April Fool's Day is that it's not just, it's, it's fake news the day. But it has expanded beyond April 1st, and it's fucking 24-7, 365. So what's the point of the day anymore when people have just taken the concept of this day and trolling and fake news and just blown it up to be a, a fucking daily thing? That's my issue. That's my TED Talk. You know what? Um, I, feel like, I feel like I need to make a speech like top dollar in The Crow about how the idea has become an institution. Because the initially April Fools was great. I think the internet and corporations fucking ruined it. Because no, I'm not gonna lie. The Duolingo post was funny as shit. Um, <laughs> because they've got it. Oh, they kind of taken you know everyone's like how threatening is the Duolingo owl constantly, and they like they it's yeah. If if you're out there on Twitter, you have to find the Duolingo April Fools post because it's funny as hell. Um, they're essentially inserting the Duolingo owl into like this kidnapping scheme. <laughs> Just because he's threatening notifications. Anyway, but yeah, like, it's, I think before the internet, it probably had more of an impact. Like, ah, oh, you got fooled. And then the internet came along and people, like you said, just start trolling constantly. And so, like, April Fool's has become a day where all these brands online do mm -hmm. their little fucking jokes. And I think that's, for me, the fatigue of it is when all these brands, mm. like, hey, you know that one thing you really like and you want us to do? Here's a joke about it instead. Piss off, fuckers. <laughs> April Fools yeah. April is Fools. the equivalent. You're going to get healthcare, the... JK. <laughs> April Fools is the equivalent of the how do you do fellow kids meme. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it is. And that's why I hate it. Damn it. But it is the first. Although I did, I did, believe... I did probably trigger some people by posting a picture of the Vegas logo and hashtag Vegas born on my Twitter. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even see that. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. I'm gonna I'm gonna go leave a like on that right now because I do <laughs> like it. I do. Uh, can you believe all no, of this nothing was to besides say? that? Like nothing. Just just that. That that's the extent. I used to do like fucking April Fool's videos on like YouTube and stuff like that. I had one where I just did a mini Minecraft video acting like I was completely not doing NHL anymore and just doing Minecraft. <laughs> I mean, that might have been better for the mental health. <laughs> <laughs> it might have. I think I think I fucked up. I, can I go back to 2016? Number one, to watch that tournament again. Number two, to switch my channel to a Minecraft channel. I could have been up there with PewDiePie. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, can you believe all of this was... Me mentioning April 1st was to say, like, hey, let's do yeah. our updated awards takes. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was going to, but I, I'm like I, I was gonna like have a my ducks hat on just the whole time without fucking context. The duck the, the Anaheim ducks hat that I got from doing that 
the ducks casts <laughs> just have that on the whole time no no context and just be like, i don't yeah. think I, I never got a hat from the ducks you got a different care package than i did i saw from, yeah i did cool. i did yeah i i don't know i can't i can't balance a bobblehead on my head, i do so still have this incredible andre kasha signed ducks puck i have one too yes <laughs> oh, oh i want to sell God. it to a leafs fan there you go uh, so yeah, in terms of updated awards, then let's talk about this real quickly. Obviously, Endo isn't here, so there won't be as much discussion. But we got always like to kind of look back in. The problem is, I don't know if much has changed for uh, either of our predictions at this point. Obviously, when you get towards the end of the season, stuff starts to get locked in. Um, Ted Lindsay Award, for example, the league's you know best player is basically what this stands for. It's Connor McDavid. Yes, I mean he became the first player to reach 100 points on the season. It is the fourth time in his career that he has become the first player in a season to do that. Uh, he joins Brian Trottier and Bobby Orr uh, for third all time uh, on the list of players to do that before their 26th birthday. Um, and you also have the likes of uh, Dale Howard, Chuck, and Mario Lemieux. They did it six times before their 26th birthday, and Gretzky did it eight times. <laughs> so basically, Gretzky's like, okay, I'm 18 years old. 100 points. 100 points. I'm going to get there before anybody else yep. every single time. So McDavid's on this unbelievable pace. He is yep. the best player in the world. There's no doubt yes. about it. And can Leafs fans stop saying Matthews because he's improved his defense? Like, there's no... F even with his improved defense, even if Matthews wins the fucking Selkie, he is still not as good as McDavid. Okay? I'm sorry. Just... Ugh. It's pissing me I, off to I see these say, real takes. And it's... It's, it's closer than it's ever been, though. Yeah. Like, in my mind, right now... Like, before it would have been, okay, McDavid number one, okay, maybe this guy too, maybe this guy. In like, no, for me right now, it's clear cut. I would take McDavid or then Matthews. And honestly, I mean, you could maybe even, it, it's a, it's at least a conversation. I don't know if, how heavy of a debate it is, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, at the very least, like, I think Matthews for me now, after showing his defensive improvements this season, is the clear cut 1B oh. behind Connor McDavid. If not in that second spot with just a little bit of distance. Yeah, I, I would still say a second part. I actually had a very long discussion in DMs once with Ray Ferraro, which is my claim to fame, about this <laughs> this topic exactly. And his point was, yes, Matthews is a clear 1B. And I was like, I don't know. Anyway, but that's also Ray Ferraro and I'm, I'm me. There you go. <laughs> so hey, you Trust guys could be right. Experts. You know, there is some there is I don't have much anti-leaf bias, but it's mostly just because they're fans and I don't want to give anyone the benefit of the doubt. I love the Matthews improvements. I mean, I think like I said in the beginning, like I'm like, man, if this guy can improve his defense, like with his goal scoring ability, because you have to bring something else to the table. Like if you want to be especially as a center, if you want to be better than Ovechkin or something, like you're going to have to bring something else to the table. Like, how long did it take Ovechkin to really get a defensive game? Like, into his 30s. Matthews is already doing that. Like, I'm... I don't even know if Ovi's ever had a defensive game. Well, he did game. one he year, and then they won the cup, and then he's just like, fuck it. Like, <laughs> he will never live anymore. down. He'll that never picture. live down the disconnected troll, uh, controller clip. I love it. He'll never live that down. That'll and always be his legacy in terms of defense. Yeah, he absolutely shouldn't. Back check, boys. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, Hart Trophy. I still have Igor Shesterkin. Um, I look at all the teams yes. that are in the playoff hunt right now. The Rangers are not where they are without Igor Shesterkin. That's undeniable. He is my candidate for the most valuable player to his team. Yep. No No real comparison. Yeah, it's, it's got Norris Trophy. 
Roman Yossi. Um, you know, I think Kale McCarr and company were in that mix for a long time. Roman Yossi had such an unbelievable month of March. He has five taken points that front in runner. 11 games or something silly like that <laughs> as a defenseman. Uh, yeah, I, I don't remember the exact uh, stat line either, but it is something that absurd. Yeah, he's and no one's talking about him. Do you, oh, do you, here we go. Do you see his highlight reels? Uh, no, like it's insane. So NH- Yeah, NHL three stars of the month. Uh, Johnny Goodrow was the top forward, or the second star of the month. He had 26 points in 16 games. Yossi had 28 and 14. Two Yossi points per game as a fucking defenseman, bro. Oh my god, that's insane. He's insane. Like, and mm-hmm. and I, I really feel like he's not getting enough hype for it. I, yeah, I remember NHL it came public, up on a ticker, uh, and I was like, "What?" Or I think Randy Hahn mentioned it during the Sharks game. He's like, "Yeah, he's got 25 points in 11 games." I'm like. Excuse me, why the fuck isn't he lighting up the highlight reels? Why the fuck isn't mm-hmm. NHL tweeting him out? Like, market your shit, man. Holy crap. Nashville is not a large, large hockey market, but they are dedicated. Come on. NHL Public Relations put out this tweet. Uh, he had, uh, again, 28 points in 14 games. Only two defensemen in league history, Bobby Orr and Paul Coffey, have recorded more points in a single calendar month. Uh, or had 31 points in 15 games back in uh, March of 1971. And Paul Coffey had 29 points in 14 games played. So only one more than Yossi back in December of 85. <laughs> Literally. That's in the 80s and 70s, of, too, when some uh-huh. could argue. Yeah, uh, that's what the fuck. Like, that, I don't know, like, a PR, yeah. Like, that should be celebrated, man. That should have been hyped up a lot more than it was. Again, I'm not on Twitter as much, but from you Hearing what you're saying about it, I don't think we, the NHL and we, I don't think there was a whole lot of buzz around that. I doubt Sportsnet did anything. I doubt. Yeah, that's crazy. He is currently on pace, and this is um, this is insanity to think about this because again, we are talking uh, about a defenseman. He is currently on pace. Oh my god, for over 100 points? <laughs> As a defense? I say he does it. <laughs> I hope he does, I hope he man. does. That would be incredible. Set the bar high, man. Make McCarr chase some of that shit. But... He's he's on pace. Elite Prospects has him at 80 games, played 100 points. Yeesh. I mean, I doubt he gets Outrageous. that. It's, I, that last month is not sustainable in any shape or form, but... Yeah. I'd love to see something crazy. Uh, the Vezina Trophy. Shesterkin. Obviously, if he's winning the heart, he's yeah. winning the Vezina. Yeah. Hard to argue. Uh, the, the Calder, Moritz Sider. He still has my vote. He's I've, – I've now 100% on the Sider train. Uh, the more I watch that kid fucking play, I just, I just gush over him, man. He's an absolute fucking unit, number one. He's insane as a defen- – like defensively. And he's mm-hmm. smooth, silky smooth with the puck, and he can produce offensively. This guy – Eiserman is a fucking genius. Like, this kid could be incredible. Like, he... I've talked about so much how, like, I think the next step... I mean, we've had the waves of, like, here's, like, these new, like, uh, uh, like, the new kind of bar that was set by the Eric Carlsons and now kind of followed up by, like, a Kale McCars and stuff like that. And then Fox sort of, you know, has a bit more of a two-way game and stuff like that. I, th- I think Marit Sider is going to be the new prototype for what people are going to try to draft in a defenseman. A two-way game, I mean, the way- like, just perfect. Like, holy shit. 
I basically view it, and their games aren't identical. They basically have their new Lidstrom for the next two decades. Yes. That's... <laughs> yeah. And he's worthy of that comparison so far off of Absolutely. what he's doing. I mean... Absolutely. It's, he's got it's handles and, and edges, like, like close to Makar, but then he's got a body size and a hitting ability of, like, a of a fucking pronger. Like, are you kidding me? Like, it's insane how good he is, and I'm so, so jealous of the Red Wings. I'm glad they're not in the West anymore. <laughs> he is currently fourth in scoring uh, amongst rookies. Bunting leads the way with 51. 50 for Raymond, 49 for Zegers. Uh, and obviously, Cole Caulfield was named March Rookie of the Month. Uh, he'd be in contention uh -oh. had Martin St. Louis been the coach of the Habs from the uh, start of the season onward. <laughs> Well, there you go. Uh, and then Jack Adams and Jim Gregory, GM of the Year Award, it's the same two for me. It's still Rod Brindamore for the Carolina Hurricanes and Bill Zito for the Florida Panthers. Yes, Florida has to be Florida. He has just gone above and beyond. Dude, this, he this acquired Claude year. Giroux. Yes. Like, that That should be enough, but also the Sam Bennett thing. That was, wait, was that technically during that was, this uh, year? That was last year. Oh, was yep. it? Ah, shit. Well, yeah. still, he, he's been insane. Like, the signings Duclair was last year last too. year God as damn, well dude. Yeah. All, my timeline's all screwed he should have won it last year who got it last year I think he might have oh <laughs> or not no it went to Lou didn't it it went to Leon Morello did it not I, probably oh, Jim Gregory GM of the year award did it go I think that's where Lou the Lamarello joke came last from year. or Oh my! Oh yeah, it went to Lou. It's gone to Lou the last two years. That's absolute. That's so fucking stupid. He's done nothing. Uh, AKA, I the mean, at least Barry the, Trotz uh, Award. I mean, there were the conference finals, or at least the one conference finals appearance. But yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, it has to oof. be Zito. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Do it, do it like they did Dowdy. Hey, you could have won it last season. We're gonna give it to you this season, even though he could have earned it this season on his own too. Fuck Drew Dowdy. All right. The, uh, the Leo DiCaprio Revenant Award for <laughs> Defensive Excellence goes to Drew Doughty. <laughs> Didn't even have to get mauled by a bear. Oh, God. Uh, with that as well, did want to work in some viewer questions here. I wasn't sure whether or not to go to them first or some of the updated award stuff, but there you go for the award stuff for those keeping tally. I imagine we'll feel the same way. Um, unless something drastic happens at the end of this month. Uh, in terms of your questions, though, as always, the link to the Discord is in the description, whether or not you're watching or listening to this particular podcast. Check out the podcast questions section. First up, from one Mr. Killer Socks. When you go to a wedding, are you one of the people partying or one of the people not partying? <laughs> Such a random fucking question. Who, who doesn't party at a wedding? Who's sitting there by themselves? That's weird. Oh God! I mean, I'm definitely like I'm definitely not like full on wallflower, but I'm also not the one out there trying to be the center of attention. Oh yeah, that's I, I like I'm the hang out with my primary group, but also bounce around depending on how many people I know at the wedding. Yeah, depends on your definition of partying. Last wedding I went to was oh that didn't count. Well yeah yeah I mean. Well, it depends. It's like there's various weddings. Like some of them aren't party party weddings. Like some of them, I mean. I'm I'm pretty decent at socializing as long as I could, you know, go home the next day and see nothing and do nothing and recharge. So 
I don't know. Right. I, I go with the flow. Like I, I, I read the vibes. I'm not trying to go against the current and trying to do like, yeah, like you said, like be a center of attention and start stuff. Like I'm not that person, but I, I go with the flow and I, I go with the vibes. Right. So one's from AJ specifically for me being a, a gigantic, uh, gigantic wrestling nerd. And, uh, says, WrestleMania is this weekend. What are your top five favorite matches or moments from the history of WrestleMania? Now, I've I've mentioned it a thousand times, right? Like I'm not a I'm not a gigantic uh, WWE fan at this point in my life. I've I've moved on. I literally talked about how I'm going to an AEW show this upcoming Wednesday. Um, so in terms of the idea of like, oh, do you plan on watching? No, <laughs> I didn't watch last year's either. I barely watched the year before. Um, it's just one of those things, like, I'll still keep up to date with it, um, you know, there's still uh, a wrestling-based podcast, post-wrestling, that I, that I listen to, I've, I've followed those guys for 10 years now, um, and there are still some YouTubers that I'll check out that, you know, do like, oh, here's the, the preview of what it's gonna be, my thoughts on how things are gonna go, I actually just watched, uh, I just watched Brian Zane's uh, recap old Wrestling with Regret, which is a good channel, by the way, not just for people that uh, want to keep up to date with current stuff, but he does a lot of retrospective stuff. Um, <laughs> the funny thing is, though, and I, I have to mention this really quickly now that I brought him up, because screw it, why not? I'm going to go on a little side tangent here because I can. Because, damn it, my name's on the marquee. And, and Sin's here, too, and we love him for it. Uh, <laughs> Well, no, so basically what had happened is uh, on this particular channel, he had one of his friends, and his friends kind of made, like, a supported what was a transphobic post. And then yesterday, I think it was yesterday, it might have been today, but I think it was yesterday, which yesterday, by the way, was uh, International Transgender Day of Visibility, and he doubles down (laughs) on his transgender or transphobic takes. Ugh, just, man... Man, and I say all of this to say um, that uh, to anybody that uh, follows me, follows this podcast, follows Sin, that happens to be a part of that community, uh, we love you, and you are more than welcome, and uh, I will always reiterate this point, just let people be people, let them live their lives, if they're not hurting you or anyone else, shut the fuck up, let them live their lives, it's not that difficult, and I will preface this next point by saying a little bit of a, I don't know, maybe a bit of an anxiety trigger warning. Skip 30 seconds ahead or so. Um, we are on a giant floating space rock. Life is fucking horrifying. If someone can, if someone wants to, let someone be, do what they want to do to be happy. Let them be who they are. What the fuck's the matter with you? Yeah. God damn it. Like, that's just my big takeaway from it. Let people be who the fuck they want to be if they're not hurting anybody. Because god damn it. People will literally write laws to bully one person instead of going to therapy. Go to therapy, Utah. (sighs) Fucking pricks. (laughs) Lick my balls before. His manscaped shaven sack. So to anybody that might be watching this show that maybe is thinking like, oh, I don't know how I feel about it, let people be people. And if you can't let people be people, then you need to you need to have some introspection. Some introspection? Take a look at yourself and think. And think like, hey, well, hmm, people I people I like and people that I follow, like Tugi and Sin, they're supportive. Why aren't I supportive? 
start thinking. Anyway, wrestling. <laughs> so then I apologize. I mean, I, I know you don't care that I'm like, hey, I, I went on a rant about supporting people. Yeah. I'm sure you're not going to be about concerned. About that life. Yeah. So uh, WrestleMania-wise, obviously I was a gigantic uh, wrestling fan. Top five matches or moments from the history of WrestleMania. Number one all time is Bret Hart and Owen Hart at WrestleMania 10 because it was the best. It's the best example of storytelling maybe in wrestling history because who that at least has siblings cannot relate to the little child, the little brother being like, hey, fuck you, I'm better than you. And I'm going to test my older brother to prove that I'm better. I mean, shit. I I grew up. My best friend has two older brothers. I literally got a nice. I got a nice view at that shit of the older brother being like, "Ah, I'm better than you," and the younger brother being like, "Ah, maybe not." So it's it's one of the most relatable things that they ever did. Um, God, what what else? Jesus, I mean, you're asking what's what's this weekend? WrestleMania 38. You're asking me to review like 34 that I actually saw. Um. Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. Ah, Chris Benoit at WrestleMania 20. <laughs> um, God damn. Uh, let's just go with those. Those are my top three. Those are my go. top three. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. I'm excited for uh, this, this next one. Yes, this comes from Mr. Red's Rebels. If you were skilled enough to make the pros in each of the four major sports, what would your archetype be? So, I pick... I don't know. Do we want to do each of the four major sports or just pick one sport and I say do, what we I think we'd be? I can do all pretty quick. If we can't okay. do them quick, we can just blow by it. The NFL. All right. I would be a halfback, um, probably elusive back. I was always really, really quick on my feet and even quicker off my feet. <laughs> just kidding. That's a that's a suicide burn, kids. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, elusive halfback football. 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 Uh, I was always like I loved uh, playing tight end. To be honest, tight end or linebacker. You're, um, oh, yeah, you, you would. That's yeah. yeah. Like it's just the idea of like okay, oh you're big, get on the offensive line. It's like man, I got hands too. Yep. I can catch a football. Fuck sake, tight end. Like like it's just I I'm deceptively fast for mm-hmm. someone my size. Like just let me. Let me show some skills. So that's definitely what it would be. Uh, basketball. Um, God, if it was when I was good at basketball, which was middle school, I was a freak. Mm-hmm. Um, big power forward or center that can shoot threes. I'm basically Dirk Nowitzki. There you go. Uh, basketball for me. Uh, depth point guard because I'm fucking 5'9 <laughs> or 5'10. <10. laughs> but I did have good handles and I did play basketball up until I realized I wasn't going to get much taller. So I had school. shit handles, but I I could work the post and I had a decent shot. That's, I had that's an okay I had. shot, but I was really good at layups until yeah, I can't fucking lay it in past people who are you know <laughs> way taller than me. <laughs> oh God, baseball. Mm. Le- leave it up to you first. This is a weird one. Um, ah, fuck it. I'll be a knuckleballer. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> there you go. That's my only chance of making it realistically, anyway. <laughs> God, for me, um, I always just think back to what I was when I played, and, and baseball-wise, and I've always talked about this, obviously MLB The Show 22 came out, uh, so we started our new road to the show on that, and um, I always set up my guy as I was. Like, I would always play corner outfield or first base. I had a pretty solid glove, 
and then swing wise, it's it's fucking double plus or mm. nothing. Like basically I'm Joey a slappy Gallo. Hitter. Yeah, I was always more of a slappy hitter. Like when I go to the batting cages, I'm always like sometimes I like to swing hard and like but like usually I'm like, ooh, would that be a base hit? Would I was always about single, single, single. I had the worst, no disrespect to them, but fuck them, whatever. Uh, I had the worst coaches <laughs> growing up playing baseball who would just never help me correct my swing. And like it's gotten a little bit better. I haven't played um, in a couple of years now because of the pandemic. But it's just that idea of I would always uppercut the ball, essentially, because uh, it would almost kind of not morph into a hockey swing, but it would, you know, my body would be like, slap shot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so if I hit the, the if I hit the damn thing, it would go, but it would just be a matter if I'd hit the thing. It's why, like, literally, if people watch me play MLB The Show, I suck at hitting anything high up in the zone. But if it's low around the knees, I can golf that shit and send it flying. <laughs> there you go. Like, literally, it's just watch me play MLB The Show, and that is how I ended up playing baseball. So, yeah, it would be that. And then hockey-wise... Europe is pissed right now that we didn't consider football one of the four major sports, but we understand what was meant by this. We, we can we can add I, we can add the, no, the footy. No, I, I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I would play. <laughs> oh God, a defensive midfielder. <laughs> See, because I feel like I feel like being an outright center all back is too much is, responsibility. All I can think of with that is lacrosse. That's the closest I've gotten. <laughs> I know more about and lacrosse I, positions. I'd be I'd be a long pole midfielder. There you go. Yep, that's a thing. Uh, <laughs> I believe you. Yeah. Uh, God, those, the the bandy supporters are going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah, so hockey's going to be easy for me because I played it all through high school. Um, left wing. No, lefty. I was a center. Well, Same. I was a center that also would drop back to play some defense, but I couldn't backskate too well, so I'd do a lot more. And archetype-wise, man, I... Dude, it's kind of tough. Like, I'd probably be a sniper because I would score a lot. But mm-hmm. I had a like I had a fucking I had a deceptively good wrister. Like my technique was horrible on my wrist shot, but it's not as heavy as a puck, so it didn't matter. And I just pick corners all day. So yeah. yeah, like a center sniper with some elements of grinders because I was really really good on the draws. I won seventy percent in my senior year. Seventy yeah. percent face offs. I'm so proud of that stat, dude. Like, beyond proud. And we also won, I think, the winter season championship as well. Fucking Al Bundy over here. (laughs) And that's how he gets in the choke on his drink. (laughs) feel like Michael Scott, I need a bucket. I need a spit take. Oh, fuck. God, uh, same thing as how I always play Ishil. Um, You know, if it like center, it would definitely be more of the just get in front of goal, try to make things happen. Defense, it'd be more stay at home. Yeah. But I, I'd probably pick goaltender. Like I always grew up, like oh. you know, like that's where I wanted to huh. to play. Like if I'm like, oh, if I want to make it hockey wise, I want to be a goalie. Um, your boy got priced out of that. Shout out to lower middle class families growing up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had to get hand me downs from a buddy of mine who lived on the cool part of town. I got like a whole <laughs> set of gear. <laughs> Sin had the hookup. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, goalie wise, like that's, you know, I always think back to it and uh, I don't have it here with me. I think it's at my parents' house. 
Uh, shout out to parents who let you use their basement for storage instead yeah. of getting a storage unit. Um, <laughs> my sister's using I, my dad's entire garage, man. I don't can't even keep <laughs> shit in there. Fucker. I grew up with this. It was kind of poster style, but it was like on a piece of wood. I don't yeah. know. Basically a poster. And it was all the goalie masks. And it's like, as a kid, yeah. like, I'm like, yes. Like, it just, that. it called to me. It called to me. It was the best. My buddy's so. dad, the two guys I grew up with and played hockey with on the streets. The street, sorry. <laughs> the streets. <laughs> the mean the streets, streets of Morgan Hill. So mean. Anyway, um, yeah, he was a goalie. Played, like, ice. Played for the senior sharks for a while, too. Um, but yeah, he had like he had that. I'm, I know the exact poster that you're talking about. He had that framed al- alongside of a Tretiak jersey that was framed, and you know that poster. <sighs> God, you know we started talking about posters, and I think back. Um, my my dad has an office, uh, kind of more like a man cave, and I uh, I'm like, yeah, here, just keep these posters. I don't have space for them here or whatever. And the posters I gave him were of. Tuka Rask, David Krejci, and Zdeno Chara. <laughs> so when I went to visit for my birthday, <laughs> it kind of clicked like, oh, fuck, none of them are Bruins anymore. <laughs> oh, no. It was so, so goddamn sad. But Don't give them, don't give uh, them a Pasternak or Marchand one. You never know what will happen. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ, no. Our last question comes from Mr. Broken Wheelchair, who mentions uh, Austin Matthews is 171 goals behind Matt Sundin with two years left before he hits free agency. Note, him leaving is not a relevant argument to have right now. Damn. (laughs) I like that he added that. Yeah. Uh, how, How close does he get to Sundin's record before the summer of 2024? Now... Obviously, it kind of brings us into our first big combo of the day. Forty minutes into the show, probably within seventy. I think he's going to be. I think. I think he hits. He's approaching that age. I think he's going to have two fifty goal seasons coming up, or at least the equivalent of that. I'd be surprised. Right. So, last night he hit fifty goals for the first time in his career. There were injuries and obviously other circumstances that stopped him from hitting that marker before. Obviously, there's still time left this season. He's probably going to finish with somewhere between 50 and 60. He could even, I mean, who's to say? I want to see, um, and again, shout out to Elite Prospects. Um, granted, it wasn't difficult to do the math to find out, like, oh, what your pace is for points and goals. Uh, but they added just the outright projection number there. He's on pace for 62 goals still this season. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think he gets to within 70. Um, I think it'll take him... He will have to extend that contract to pass Matt Sundin. He will. He is 24 years old. He, if he stays a Leaf, will pass Matt Sundin yeah. by age 28 at the latest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. He's he's just getting... He's not in the prime yet, but he's approaching. Like, I mean, essentially, when that he's, contract's up, he's he'll be in his... Yeah. Oh, exactly how he planned it, and can't believe... Yeah. I still can't believe they... Anyway, he has 249 goals be, in just under 400 career yeah, games. He's going to look great in a Sharks jersey. <laughs> could you imagine? I, yes, I could. <laughs> You've been dreaming of it. I wanted Tavares, <sighs> and that didn't happen. <laughs> it's it's a good thing it didn't, by the way. Yeah. He, uh, yep. I don't know. Depends on how much you believe in the analytical perspective, but, uh, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, no. It, he was uh, going to be signed for 13, too, by the way, in San Jose. That was the offer. <laughs> that was the fucking offer they made, dude. I'm pretty sure it was 13. It was 12 Be or happy 13. with Tomash Hurdle for eight, dude, is that's, what I'm hearing. Yeah, that's a re- uh, that's very, very good. Happy with Holy shit. Um, so Matthews joins Rick Vive, who did it three times, by the way. Gary Lehman and Dave Andrichuk as the only 50 goal scorers uh, in Leafs history. Oh, they've Leafs only history. had. Sorry. Yeah, I accidentally wrote NHL. <laughs> I was like, excuse me, Danny Heatley, yeah. 50 and 07. <laughs> but yeah, so Rick Vibe did it three times as a Leaf. Gary Lehman, Dave Andrichuk. So uh, he is the fourth member of the Leafs to get it done. And I wanted to look at the original six to see how many people have hit 50 goals before. So for the Boston Bruins, uh, the Chief Johnny Busick, he did it once. Ken Hodge did it once. Nifty Rick Middleton did it once. Cam Neely did it three times, including a 50 and 50. And then Phil Esposito, who we talked about on this show recently. Five times he scored 50 goals in a season. 250 goals in five seasons. Oh, again, I still don't understand how he's not talked about more in in the, the elite class of all-timers it's, it's of, of that era yeah. like the nhl thank god named him to like the alongside jonathan taves and patrick kane as I one of the 100 greatest so players of all time much. over joe thornton go fuck yourself oh god but yeah no phil esposito is insane so five bruins to do it two of them at least more than once uh the chicago hockey team al sacord did it once jeremy roenick did it twice and uh <clears throat> bobby hall uh did it five times uh, no one's really debating how uh, good on the ice Bobby Hall was. Um, go figure. There's often those. There's often those conversations surrounding Chicago. Hey, he's good on the ice, but what about off? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings. Mickey Redmond did it twice. Danny Grant, John Agrodnik, which is one of my favorite names. Uh, Fedorov did it once. Ray Shepard, and then Steve Eiserman did it five times. So the Red Wings just blowing everyone else out of the damn water in terms of 50 goal scores for the teams we've talked about so far. And then there's Montreal. <laughs> uh, Maurice Richard, the Rocket, he did it once. Uh, only one only 50 did goal season. Yeah, I was like, I yeah. was like, wait a sec. No way. That's nuts. Very weird. Change the name to um, the Fleur. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> As we are going to... Uh, actually, looking at, um, looking at Richard's numbers, though, I mean, it is it is very strange, yeah, that he only scored uh, 50 goals once, and it was in his second full season. Wow. Huh. Keep in mind, though, he averaged like 50 to 60 games played. No. <laughs> so, okay. But that, that would be why, obviously, the shorter schedule. But yeah, still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bernie Jeffreyon, Steve Shutt, Pierre Larouche, Stefan Richet all did it once, and then Guy Lafleur. <laughs> Six times. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then, shockingly, are the New York Rangers, who have also, alongside Chicago, only had three people accomplish the feat, but no multi-time performers. Vic Hadfield, Adam Graves, and Yuramir Yager, each with one fifty-goal season as a Ranger. Adam Graves, baby. Sharks. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Oh, God. So, yeah, I, I just thought it was interesting to kind of look back to see who had had 50-goal seasons. Uh, Matthews, though, does become the first NHLer to reach the 50-goal mark in a season with 62 games played or fewer since 95-96. Uh, Mario Lemieux and three others did it in that season, which is insane. Um, think about that. In 1995-96, four people hit 50 goals before the 62-game played mark. What a race. This comes from Down Goes Brown. Matthews now leads the NHL in career goals by players drafted in 2011 or later. <laughs> he was drafted in 2016. Five years after. What a fucking beauty. <laughs> he had a fucking five-year head start on some of these people in the 2011 drafts. And somehow, some way, he's wow. ahead. That, it, that, that was the stat where I'm like, holy shit. Like, that really puts it into perspective of just how dominant Austin Matthews five is. Five seasons, with all the injuries, too, by the way, that he's suffered. Like, five yeah. seasons. That's insane. So think about that. That 2011 class, in terms of goals, uh, Landeskog, Kucherov, Shifley, oh, Zabanajad, no. Saad, Johnny Goodrow. Whoa. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's even he more He is ahead impressive. of Nikita Kucherov. Kucherov did, of course, miss a season. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it's not as if Matthews hasn't missed time either. Yeah, I mean, he's had a um, lot of different injuries over the course of the years. Yeah, 2011, the only guy over 200 goals is Philip Forsberg. Uh, 2013 has Nathan McKinnon, Barkoff, and, and Sean Monahan over 200 goals. Uh, 2014, Dreisaitl, Pasternak. Uh, he just pulled ahead of Dreisaitl, I believe, or Dreisaitl might have tied him last night either. It's like he and Dreisaitl are like fucking neck and neck. But again, Dreisaitl had the extra year, uh, the two-year head start, and obviously 2015 is McDavid over 200. And yeah, Matthews is uh, one up on Leon Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl at 248, Matthews at 249. Insanity. Absolute insanity. And I think one of the reasons why a lot of Leafs fans are like, better than McDavid. And you know what? Even if I don't agree, I'll let them have it. I'll let them have it. Sin won't, but that's okay. No, I absolutely will not. <laughs> uh, I wish Endo was here for this because I wanted to talk Leafs-Bruins really quickly. Uh, the Leafs did win 6-4 to four in that game uh, on Thursday night. Uh, of course, it started right as Endo and I uh, were finishing up the podcast. Uh, Peter Morazic or Tuesday night, excuse me. Uh, Peter Morazic ended up getting injured in that game. He's out for a minimum of six weeks for what has been Poor guy. just a nightmare season. I I feel for the guy at this point because, my God. However, in this game, the main talking point in Sin, I don't know if you've seen it, was the oh, incident yeah. between Taylor Hall and Ilya Labushkin. Uh, Hall, uh, approaching the red line, pivots to protect the puck and dump it in. Labushkin did go for the contact, um, which happened to be kind of in the back, in the numbers. You could argue maybe even close to the side. Regardless, Hall goes head slash shoulder first into the boards. Now, I feel like a lot of people haven't seen this part, that like that part of the clip. Because the main thing in the main post, especially on our hockey on Reddit, uh, was just circulating of what happened afterwards. Mm -hmm. Where Hall gets up. And essentially, sucker punches Labushkin from behind. Now, look, I'll flat out admit, there have been a lot of very dumb Bruins fans who are like, it wasn't even that hard of a hit. Fuck that attitude. Uh, Labushkin leaves the game. Confirmed head injury from Sheldon Keefe. The result is uh, Taylor Hall getting fined 5K. 
for his actions, the maximum allowable under the CBA for roughing. Heard that a lot. So here's, here's my take on this trademark. Labushkin, not necessarily at fault for the hit. It wasn't overly predatory. The end result of the contact was rough. It depends on, obviously, what the rules are, where you think the rules should be in your interpretation of all of that, because Lord knows we're all allowed different interpretations of the rulebook, because the NHL has different interpretations of the rulebook for every single incident that happens. Um, I, I think it's understandable, in a sense, that Taylor Hall got up and was pissed. It's not, I do not condone the fact that he punched the guy from behind. If you're mad about it, fucking grab him by the shoulder, turn him around, and tell him, let's go. You don't sucker punch the dude from behind. That's that's bullshit. That is. Uh, so I, I don't condone what Hall did at the same time. I agree that the contact from Labushkin was a bit overshadowed. Hall getting fined 5K instead of a suspension. It's the DOPS. What else are we going to say? <laughs> Should it have been a suspension? Fucking probably. At least a game. Maybe two. Uh, at the same time, like, Reddit's... A fi- like, social media is obviously a tire fire. Oh, Bruins fans are condoning this, and... Oh, they're defending it, and... Oh, Bruins fans... Uh, just Bruins dirty, and... Oh, Jack Edwards defended it, even though in the clip it was Andy Brickley, but we don't know Andy Brickley. It's just Jack Edwards, because Jack Edwards bad. Like, obviously people just going full fucking diaper over this. Um... I think this is just a, a continuation of the entire season, the NHL, and for the past couple of years, the, we've heard the terms or the, the, the phrase, letting things get out of hand. Uh, we heard that when Austin Matthews uh, cross-checked the guy in the head during the outdoor game and got suspended for two games. Um, it's the, the inconsistency summed up perfectly in these Leafs two games because their very next game they played the Winnipeg Jets and Michael Bunting was cross-checked in the head by Vili Heinola and I have been checking Twitter all day long and there's fucking nothing. Yeah. There's nothing. Bad. Nothing's going to happen. That's real bad. Uh, it's because that needs to be punished, um, especially now with the Leafs and they've got this kind of victim mentality going on and it, the DPS is actually adding fuel to that fire by not taking action when it's a similar sort of play to what Matthews was suspended for. Yes, he should have been suspended for it. Yes, Hanola should have been suspended for it. But to go back on that whole thing, I saw a lot a lot of comparisons that I got to squash right now to the fucking uh, Bertuzzi and Steve Moore infinite. Shut the fuck up. Like you are cheapening what happened in that incident by trying to compare it to this. You, you're, you can't just say he sucker punched him from behind. He's Bertuzzi. Man, there. that's not even where the injury came from to, to Moore. Like it was mm-hmm. the forcing him down in the ice with his, all his body weight. And then the ensuing He drove him fight. head first, yes. forehead first into the ice. Yes. Like, dude, you guys have to stop. I understand emotions are high. I understand that. But that's – that's and that's all I got to say about that. But, yeah, I think – Again, I, I'm going to say it, it should have been a suspension, probably. It's, but the people saying it should have been as much as the Matthews incident, no. A cross-check is worse than a punch. I'm sorry. A stick is deadlier than a fist. That's just basic shit. So I'd say one to two games for Hall would have been good. Matthews deserved three plus, honestly. But I, <laughs> I it is what it is. You mentioned something. I think that's the reason why... 
Honestly, and I, I don't have anything against the majority of Leafs fans, but there are that pocket that you said victim mentality, and it's been exacerbated by incidents like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, every team likes fucking with us by claiming all of our players yes. off of waivers. Yes. The refs are against us. The Department of Player Safety is against us. There are legitimate complaints, but at the same time, yes, there are a lot of people who have bought very fucking heavily into yes. uh, everyone's against us and the victim mentality. And I think that's where a lot of the toxicity goes back and forth between people calling out Leafs fans. You have a legitimate gripe. There should have been something for Taylor Hall. There definitely should have been something for Billy Heinle. Uh, and, of course, for Hall, there was a 5K fine. It should have been probably a suspension because I think you need to stamp that shit out. You cannot yes. just fucking, even if it's a bad hit, you can't just get up and sucker punch a guy from behind. Yeah. Uh, but again, that's where the argument like comes. Making the thing like, oh, we got to get rid of this. You know, people starting fights without you know the other person accepting it. I'm like, I guess a sucker mm-hmm. punch is kind of in that same vein. But hey, they also said they're going to stamp out cross checking this year, and well, they sure as hell didn't do that. Look at look at Heinle, look at Matthews. I mean, neither of them Fucking, were punished enough. I think there was even an incident in the Sharks Avs game where Kadri felt like he got cross-checked in the back by Hurdle and ended up head first, shoulder first into the boards and was a bit roughed up by that. And he like threw his helmet off like towards the ref or some shit like that. I don't want to comment on it too specifically. I haven't really seen the clip, but uh, this, this, this conversation for me, isn't a oh, Leafs fans uh, yeah. victim mentality, victim complex thing. It's just what more can be said when we all know how fucked up, the state of officiating, and especially how fucked up the inconsistencies are with the Department of Player Safety. Like, it's gotten to the point where I've seen people leave comments of like, oh, the NHL is just employing George Paris at this point, so he won't file a concussion lawsuit. And honestly, I tend to believe them. It's hard not like, to. Like, how, how else do you explain George Paros still being in his position here? Because this is... if The problem is, it's been bad for season after season after season. It feels like it's getting worse. Yes, it absolutely is. Like, I, I saw one, I saw some kind of comment being made. I, It's interesting and it's very conspiratorial, but like, what if the refs are like so bad this year to like protest the Tim Peel firing? Like, they're, they're, they're being bad on purpose. I'm like, eh. But it does bring up the question of like, why, like, why is it getting worse? Is it because like, there's this more microscope on them, but there should be because... Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't have an answer, and I don't know why. But yeah, officiating and and enforcement has just been awful. It's they can't even be consistent over the season. They were like cross check, cross check. Everyone's getting called for cross checks preseason. Okay, let's not call it anymore. Like, what do you expect? No one's going to adjust. Like they're they're not. Uh, like we we got to the point where people adjusted to not interfering with each other. People adjusted to not uh clutch and grabbing. After the mm-hmm. lockout of 06, and died because they were fucking consistent. They didn't care about in the beginning of the season how high, how much higher the scores were and how the goalies were bitching and moaning. They'd kept the fucking mm-hmm. rules. And people adjust. And I don't know why we yeah. do that. You could literally, like, the, the, uh, the graphs are out there to show, like, how consistently um, stick-related penalties were being called at the start of the season mm-hmm. for, like, the first couple weeks and then whew, right back down. Yeah. Right back down. And like you said... You give, you stick to it, people adapt, and the game evolves, potentially for the better. I mean, Jesus Christ, we've been without the two-line pass for almost 20 years now. Uh, Pretty sure the game's more free-flowing because of it. Like, 
it's just we've had this conversation so many times as hockey fans and we'll continue to have it. And the only way I can think to really sum this up uh, is by saying, guys, guys and gals listening to this show, the playoffs are going to be brutal. And I personally, as a Bruins fan, am going to do my best to not complain because it's going to happen. You know, you, you can sit here and you know something's inevitable and still complain about it, and that's that's fine, I think, depending on the subject. But in the context of a, a sport, it, it's not worth the, the energy, the stress, the frustration, I think, for any of us as hockey fans to be outraged because the NHL has made it very clear over the past few years, and especially this season, they are okay with the officiating and the DOPS having the current standards that they do which, of course, are a complete lack of standard. So just expect it. The playoffs, I honestly, uh, fuck, in a sense, I feel like it would almost be better to be in, like, Sin's situation here of you just get to be excited about the draft. Like, you knew your team probably wouldn't be a playoff team this year. You just get to be excited about the draft. Meanwhile, excited about Vegas anybody... the playoffs. There you go. Like, literally, you get to watch these... You get to watch the playoffs... And not really have a, you know, a, a vetted interest yeah, in what's going I, to happen. Honestly, sometimes I like that more. Mm-hmm. Because I just get to enjoy hockey. Like, and I don't feel emotionally invested. Because that's, that's yeah. bucks. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, man. Like, when I think about it, being a sports fan can really suck sometimes. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like I, I I look at this and I think back to so many different moments. Like, for example, like I think back to when the Bruins played the Lightning a couple of years ago, when the Lightning were going to win that series, but it was the moment where Tuka Rask lost his skate blade, and it was the moment afterwards where he grabs the skate blade and he's like shaking it at the fucking referee's face, and then it's like, is that a rule? Is that not? A, it's just so many of it is stressful. Obviously, I don't have to mention the fucking Sharks Vegas penalty situations and, and shit like that. It's just. We all know that the standard of officiating and what the DOPS does right now actively hurts fandom. That I think that's the best way to word it. Like it, it's making it more challenging to become a fan of hockey. And I think anyone that's listened to the show, uh, really kind of from the beginning, has kind of seen like that evolution of it. You know, even when when Deej was on the show with me, he and I had those conversations of like it's getting more difficult. And heading into the season, I had those conversations of, like, I'm not really looking forward to this season. Um, and, you know, I, I still watch as many games as I can, you know, non-Bruins related because I'm a hockey fan. But it's like, Jesus, it's like you you watch a game and almost expect, like, okay, what's tonight's incident going to be? Yep. And that's that's not what it should be. It should be like, oh, cool, what, what cool shit am I going to see tonight? How good of a game this, is this going to be? Not how is this game negatively affected by the, the league itself. So, we'll leave it at that for now. Uh, I do want to uh, move on to talking about the Bruins here really quickly as well, just because obviously we talked about the Leafs. The Bruins uh, absolutely pooped on the New Jersey Devils last night to officially eliminate the Devils uh, from playoff contention. This was one of the craziest games I've seen. An 8-1 final score. Uh, The Bruins were up 2-1 at the end of the first, and then 8-1 at the end of the second. (laughs) Um, shout out to, uh, the man with the most Massachusetts name of all time, uh, Mac McLaughlin. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> fucking Mac. Mac. Bellarica getting the goal. 
Um, but yeah, Mark McLaughlin, who was uh, an NCAA signing, which is uh, which was awesome. That was a great moment. It was kind of similar to what happened when uh, Matt Boldy for the Wild uh, was in Boston for his NHL debut and scored as well. Um, I never get overly hyped for NC- undrafted NCAA signings because uh, the success rate is few and far between. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, like I've I've pointed this out before. Um, you know, you can look at certain guys, undrafted dudes, where it's like, oh, dude, they're going to get to the NHL, and they're going to tear it up. And one of the names, no uh, no disrespect to him, uh, but one of the names that comes to mind for me is someone like Mike Vecchioni, who uh, was signed by the, the Flyers. He's currently with the Caps, and this guy was insane uh, for Union College. I look back to when he was signed. Uh, let's see, in his three seasons at Union, 34 points in 38 games, 50 in 39, wow. and then 29 in 34. And then in his senior year, 63 points in 38 games. Whoa. Just destroying the NCAA. He has played three NHL games to date. No points. Because it just it's such a gap between yeah. college and making that NHL leap. Not too many people uh, really do it effectively. Um, so uh, I'm excited for Mark McLaughlin. It adds a little bit more depth. I'm excited for Eric Halla. Uh, I made my concerns very clear about Eric Halla, especially in comparison to someone like Andrew Kopp, who for the Rangers has seven points in five games, which is amazing. But Eric Halla has been fantastic. I'm happy. He scored again last night. And obviously, again, as a Bruins fan, I said throughout the deadline in regards to the moves they made and the moves they didn't, prove me wrong. Please prove me wrong. Uh, Halla has eight points in his last five games. So if that pace can continue, then yeah, the Bruins the Bruins are looking decent. I, you know, I was never rooting against Eric Halla. We'll see what happens come playoff time. But the Bruins are looking pretty damn good, all things considered. Uh, wanted to mention... Uh, one of the, the negatives before going into one of the positives here, and then we'll have just a bunch of other random stats that I found were interesting over the past few days. Um, Arizona, unfortunately, uh, last night, major, or two nights ago, maybe it was, major, major injury. I think it was two nights ago now that Clayton Keller uh, fractured his leg. He will be out for the season. Uh, Sin, as crazy as it seems to, as it sounds, like he was fourth on the NHL's active Ironman streak. He had played 357 consecutive games, uh, only trailing Brent Burns, who I believe was at 663. Uh, and then you have Kessel at 967 and Keith Yandel at 989. Although the word is out today that uh, he's having a bit of a disagreement with the Flyers. The Flyers kind of want to play some of those younger guys. Uh, so it's kind of unknown what's going to happen to the current active Ironman streak of Keith Yandel at 989, uh, which is an all-time NHL record. But uh, brutal for Clayton Keller. He started off this season slow, ends up at 63 points in 67 games. Uh, the best season of his career. He was absolutely fantastic, and it sucks to see any player, especially a young guy. You know, he's going to turn 24 in July. Uh, it, it sucks to see anybody kind of get hurt like that. Yeah, uh, I believe it was a, pretty, a broken femur. Yeah, was the it's injury. pretty brutal. Like, it looked real. So, I mean, you know, you talk about it. 
there's the argument like, oh, broken femur, maybe not as bad as uh, ligament damage because, I mean, bone bone can heal. And uh, you look at Kevin Fiala right now as someone that, that suffered a broken femur a few years ago and he's doing very, very well uh, now, of course, in Minnesota. So best wishes to Clayton Keller. That is, uh, it's, it's unfortunate for sure. Uh, and then the last kind of bigger story here, I uh, wanted to kind of bring it up to a high note. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres are ha- raising a banner tonight uh, for commentator Rick Jennerette. Uh 50 years, as we've talked about before, 50 plus years now of calling Sabres games. Basically there, I think since the second season, might even have been there since day one. Um, this will probably be the only Sabres game all season that, that sells out. Uh, again, if they don't show up because the team sucks, it's fine. But if the Coyotes fans don't show up because the team sucks, then move the team. Uh, but Rick Janaret's incredible. He is incredible. He is one of the best personalities I think we've yeah. ever seen in hockey history. He has one of the more distinct voices and presence uh, yeah. on the microphone that anybody's ever had. He's got such um, a cool voice. It, like I don't even know how to place it. Just hearing some of his own, like especially when like... Yeah, I mean, back in, like, the 90s and shit, when the fights constantly, he was so good at, like, talking about that. Like, when they had Barnaby and... Mm-hmm. Did they have Rob Ray for a while, too, I think? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, man. And they had, I mean, like, the Mayday call for the Brad May goal, uh, the the LaFontaine goal mm-hmm. calls. Uh, he's, he's incredible. Yeah. He is incredible. He's 79 years old. Woo. Um you know, obviously, the the one thing that you wish he, he could have gotten to call was uh, a cup win there. Yeah. Shout out to the Dallas Stars. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he's he's incredible and definitely one of those people that I that I that I look at is like, okay, you you think about some of the the commentators, and I don't want to say in modern times it, it's difficult, but you know, right now there aren't as many. People, I feel like if if commentators who cover a specific team are mentioned, it's more often than not like the Jack Edwards type of thing, <laughs> where it's like, okay, he's notable, but for the wrong reasons for most people, or like how Altitude Sports for Colorado, um, if you ever listen to them, you know the Avalanche score and they're fucking popping off confetti cannons, and the Detroit Red Wings score, it's two to one Colorado, like. <laughs> You know, it's like that's why people are notable. Uh, no, Rick Janaret's a, a goddamn legend, and um, I don't know if he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I don't know if they put commentators in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Put Rick Janaret in the Hockey Hall of Fame. The man's a goddamn treasure. That is my standpoint. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> uh, Sim, with that, I, I had this as random story fun time as the section, or ran- yeah, random stat fun time, whatever. Because it's just a bunch of random things that didn't really... I don't know if they'll lead to a greater conversation, but it's like, huh, holy hell. New York Rangers. Chris Kreider has tied Yuramir Yager's team record for power play goals in a season. Uh, with 24, he did it in 15 fewer games. Now, Hockey Stat Miner on Twitter uh, put this into even greater detail. Yager scored his 24 power play goals when the league averaged 5.9 power play opportunities per game. This season, the league is averaging 2.9 power play opportunities a game. So literally, we are right now in a season where they're they're fucking calling people left and right for interference and hooking and shit. Yeah. Yep. The Brian McCabe clutch and grab era was over. Yep. 
so in 05-06, the Rangers had a total of 83 power play goals. Yager had 24 of those, as we've talked about. So we look at that. Uh, the Rangers' power play was at 18.9%. 83 power play goals on 440 opportunities. Yager that season averaged 6 minutes and 12 seconds of power play ice time per game. It's crazy. Six minutes of power play time a game. You're lucky if you even get three power plays these days. Kreider so far this season has, again, 24, much like Yager. The Rangers only have 49 power play goals and 181 opportunities. So again, the Rangers percentage in 05-06 with Yager was at 18.9%. So far this season, the Rangers power play percentage is 27.1%. Again, just 181 opportunities, 49 goals, 24 of them are from Kreider, who is averaging 257 worth of power play time per game. Jesus. The fucking efficiency of Chris Kreider on the power play this season is staggering. Ruthless. That's crazy, man. Dude, less than half the ba- less than half the power play ice time per game. 15 fewer games, but has as many goals as Yager did in a completely different era that certainly favored more power play goals. Nuts. You know, I, we, it, the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because, I obviously, at this rate, I don't think Chris Kreider will, will get too many nods. He's not gonna, he's likely to not win the Rocket Richard. He won't win the Hart. He won't win the Ted Lindsay. But he has had one of the best seasons uh, I mean, certainly the best season of his career, but this is a astonishingly good season for Chris Kreider. Yeah. <laughs> no real other way to say it. Like, holy shit. For the Pittsburgh Penguins, Sidney Crosby hit 70 points on the year. He is now guaranteed his 17th consecutive season at at least a point per game or higher. Second only to Wayne Gretzky. Now, he has tied Gordie Howe with 17 consecutive seasons of at least a point-per-game pace. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky's at 19. Sidney Crosby is 34 years old. Yeah. He's going to break about... this Gretzky record. Oh, man. I don't know. If he stays healthy. Yeah, that's the thing. He's had so much injury trouble, concussions mainly. I, I don't see him playing past 38. I hate to say it, but I, I don't know. I, I, I hope he does, because Crosby is incredible. I just, so much of his early career, just the man was not protected enough. And, and he's he's just one of the best of all time. He is, he right? really is. That's, yeah. that's all you can say. Like, every time you see a Sidney Crosby stat, you're like, of course, yeah. he's that fucking He was good. the best player and, until about the third season McDavid was in the league, third or fourth. <laughs> and, you know... If some people still say that they wanted to take Sidney Crosby now, I I could at least understand it. I could understand the logic. Veteran presence, cup winning, and he still puts up hella points at his age. Like Edmonton would do it. All those intangibles? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Crosby for McDavid. Who says Who no? Who says no? One for one. You mentioned them earlier, the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, I wanted to point this out because, again, they spent some time at the top of the Pacific this season. Uh, they have lost 10 games in a row. Yeah. One of, I think, numerous shocks now to, to see do them that this standings. season. Like, oh, yeah, dude. What the fuck they've been doing? They were first once. <laughs> yeah. 13 of their last 15 games they've lost. They've Wolf. won. Uh, they've gone. 
4-14-2 since the All-Star break with wins over the likes of the Sharks and the Bruins. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they are... Uh, Oof. Yeah, they are on a worse point pace than the San Jose Sharks right now. 66 points for each of the two teams. Sharks have two games at hand. And the Sharks uh, did not spend time at the top of the Pacific this season. No. <laughs> at least not for an extended amount of time. Too too busy at going, going to escape rooms. There you go. <laughs> Wait, what? That's the road trip thing. They have a thing when they go on road trips. They all do escape rooms together. You know what escape rooms are? I do. Okay. I do. There's I just actually learned one about somewhat local. Yeah. Apparently. You just learned about that? I don't fucking. You just I don't go out. The, the, the global warming and corporate America. <laughs> this escape room brought to you by capitalism yeah, and hot temperatures. Throwing a nice Team America reference there for everyone interested. Oh, God. <laughs> do you think capitalist escape room could be the episode title? <laughs> I mean, I haven't heard another good one. Apparently, that's the title now. Oh, what well, what was going to be the title before that? I don't know. Oh, I had no idea. We would have had something. I mean, we we sat there and talked about random shit for the first twenty minutes of the show. So who that's knows? Very true. Um. Ugh. Also, one of the crazy. And again, this is why I have this section. This is one of the craziest stats I've ever heard. With his seventy-first assist of the season. Jonathan Huberdeau officially holds the record for the most assists by a left winger in a single season. Pretty silly. 71 was the record, huh? For, for most assists in the season by a left winger. Yeah. I mean, Jumbo had 90 plus one year. Get good. God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, I guess it's just kind of crazy to show, right? That I guess normally. When I think I'd of noted left wingers. Um, Ovechkin, Salon. Oh shit! Was Salani left or right? See, I don't know. Wingers. I always think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're, they're that's when it, sometimes. Well, Jesus, there was a time where Alex Ovechkin was number one in the All Star voting for both left wing and right wing. <laughs> you remember that? No, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> it was incredible. But like, I think of like, okay, left wingers according to uh, records.nhl.com, like. You know, Johnny Busick, Luke Robitaille, Andrew Chuck, Shanahan, uh, Daniel Sedin, uh, Kirk Muller, Paul Correa. I mean, there, there are some crazy, very, very notable names on that list. But top of that list is Mr. Jonathan Huberto, somebody else who uh, there was a, an NHL like writers voting thing to be like, oh, who's your heart favorite? Like a couple weeks ago when Huberto was number one. Um, yeah, I didn't like but hey, I, I I mean, he's like having either, a good but season, but come on, man. That team is stacked. He's having, he is having a tremendous season. No, yeah, I, sure. like, I'm not going to argue that, but that team is also stacked. to Like, if they don't win the cup, hmm. or at least make it there, like, that's a little... I, I, they they got to be. I really hope for... I want Jumbo! Give him a cup! <laughs> Fuck! Oh, it's going to be so bad when the Panthers are jobbed on calls. You're going to feel it. You're going to feel it. No, I won't. just want Jumbo to win a cup, man. I don't care who it's with. Get that man a cup so he can retire and live in Switzerland. Okay. There you go. Uh, more. <laughs> can I get a Joe Thornton impression to be like, I want to win a cup. Oh, so yeah, yeah, boy. Yeah, win a cup's important for the boys. You know, we're all here in the locker room. Uh, sometime usually naked. <laughs> It's been a while since I've heard him. I'd have to get back on it, but he's yeah. It's still pretty good. Very boisterous still pretty guy. Good. 
Uh, more random NHL history. The all-time record for man games lost in a season was 629 games set by the 03 LA Kings. The Montreal Canadiens have surpassed 650 games lost, making the 2021-2022 uh, Montreal Canadiens the most injured team in NHL history. <laughs> Whoa. What are man games? What the, like... So basically, like, okay, Carey Price has missed 67 games, so that 67 counts towards the total. All right, that's all right. Yeah, so basically it's the idea of the cumulative total of how many games your projected starter would have missed. So Vegas Uh, can't fucking piss and moan. Good, good, good. Yes. (laughs) Vegas should shut the fuck and lose to the Habs again. But, yeah, so, like, looking at this, like, Carey Price has not played a game this season. Shea Weber, I think, counts towards that oh, total. Yeah, he hasn't played a game go, yeah. this season. Um, Jonathan Drewen's only played 34 games. Ooh, uh, Petrie's obviously out. Uh, Gallagher's only played 43 games. Yeah. Uh, it's Caulfield better keep fuck. a lucky rabbit's foot nearby, a.k.a. his own <laughs> foot. A little shrimp. <laughs> Paul Byron's only played 20 games. Like, yeah, you look at this, you look at this team, and yeah, there there have been a lot of games. Yeah. A lot They're of games. Thrashed. It's brutal. Uh, for the Minnesota Wild, uh, Kirill Kaprizov, 20 points in the month of March, led the NHL with 14 goals over uh, Matthews, Dreisaitl, and Brock Nelson, who all had 13. Brock Nelson, um, huh? That's, yeah. That's the name Brock I haven't Nelson. heard in the. A, a positive All light season. in a while. Because the, the Islanders have sucked. Yeah. Um, worth noting, too, uh, how this has never happened is beyond me. Wild fans have started a new trend of throwing flowers at Marc-Andre Fleury. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm surprised that hasn't happened either. Oh, God. It's just, it's, it's got to be very endearing. Wild fans trying to stick it to Golden Knights fans by saying, fuck you, we appreciate him. Yeah, Vegas clearly didn't, and now they're paying. For At it. least the front office, maybe you know the fans. Yeah, the fans story, did, but, but. No, I, I, they're all rationalizing it now because um, yeah. they have to. Got to, got to have that copium with all everything going wrong with their season. And the update for the Vegas Golden Knights: they are currently at one point back of Dallas for the second wild card spot. Dallas with three games at hand, and a little too close. I hope Edmonton. Edmonton needs to. I, the the thing I'm mostly worried about is Edmonton. Because Edmonton has three points on Vegas with the game at hand. Okay. Okay. So they're still there with the three points. But yeah, still, they're the ones who I think is going to fuck it up and ruin my dreams of Vegas missing. And to end today's show, there's no better way to end the show than with a quote from Daryl Sutter, head coach of the Calgary Flames, who said this. We haven't made the playoffs yet. Mentality, you better make sure you make the playoffs because if you don't have that in your mindset, then you're going to play Colorado as a wild card and you'll get the shit kicked out of you. And I'm not interested in that. Every week he mentions, please, God, make sure we don't play Colorado because we're going to get shit kicked, boy. He's just... He gives zero fucks. Like, he's not the guy. Like, if this guy was ever a general, like, he would be like... Oh boy, I don't know what to tell you. You better fucking kill like two apiece or we're all dead. So, (laughs) (laughs) dude, I love him so much. Like, you could tell, obviously, this season he has absolutely passed the threshold of I don't give a shit anymore. I am 63 years old. 
Fuck it. Yeah. I love it. I love it so much. And he hates media availabilities <laughs> too, which makes it all the more better. Like he's just he's always sitting there like writing shit or <laughs> Oh my god. I just I love him so yeah. I always so liked him as much. the Sharks clip coach back in the day in like the late nineties, maybe part of the early two thousands too. Oh no, we switched to Ron Wilson, but yeah, I liked him as the Sharks oh, coach. God. Uh oh, we're gonna beautiful. do a name those coaches. <laughs> Santa, yeah, let's do it. Let's I, I saw you looking something up, and uh, you got I had you had a look in your. I shouldn't have said it. God damn it! <laughs> I was uh, well, no, I was I was looking up uh, like just Daryl Sutter's uh, mm. kind of history there. Uh, but you know what? Screw it. Now we'll do it. Why not? End it on trivia. This will this will make up uh, for us potentially not uh, having a show on Tuesday. And again, I'll, I'll keep you guys updated on Twitter. So, sin. There have been ten head coaches Oof. in San Jose Sharks history. Can you name them? God damn. All not none of the early ones. Drew Remenda was an assistant, so I'm not gonna remember him what's like I'm not gonna remember anything before Daryl Sutter, and that sucks because he came in around ninety six, seven, I wanna say. Ninety seven. There you go. So From June of ninety seven to December of 02, Daryl Sutter. Uh, uh who is Well, nobody's fourth all time in wins for the Sharks. Okay. So Sutter. My internet's taking a shit. Yep, yep, yes it is. Look at that. You <laughs> are quite it. frozen. There we go. Okay, I was wondering what happened. Stabilizes. Yeah, I'll, I'll name all those in order. Daryl Sutter, Ron Wilson. There is... Is there someone in between? Somebody that you're missing, and this Oof. has to be the most obscure thing I've ever I seen. I thought we went straight and there's not a chance. There is not a chance in hell that you get this, but technically... Uh, are we counting interim head coaches? Ooh, well, that's because there are. I think we have to. Okay. Shit. So there, there's a couple of people. So you're right about Daryl Sutter. Ron Wilson was seventh. In between them, for one game, oh. Cap Raider, who ended up moving into their scouting department. Never heard of this in my life, but yes, for one game as an interim coach, Robert Cap Raider, who was uh, a player, he was drafted by the Habs, played in the WHA uh, for the New England Whalers. One game. Fuck that. Um, For one game, he was technically behind the bench for the Sharks. But continue on. So Sutter, Wilson. Wilson. Then after Wilson, it was McLennan. Mm hmm. Um,. Clendon was fired. I'm trying to think if he had a uh, interim. Yes, he did. I think he it, did not. He didn't. Oh shit! Apparently not. Huh. Okay. Then after McLennan, it was DeBoer. Correct. And DeBoer was fired. Bugner became the interim. He's still there, though. Yeah, you, but, he's, okay. but he's now the you're head okay coach. Worrying about yeah, it but he's now the head yeah. coach. So you're good. What so five onward is Sutter, Raider, Wilson, McLennan, DeBoer, Bugner. Yeah. The first four, though. This is where this is where I don't know because I was not old enough to care. Holy shit! Like I, I, I wasn't aware of any of this. So the first ever head coach for the San Jose Sharks from April ninety one to April ninety three was George Kingston. Nope. George Kingston, who was the head coach of the University of Calgary for a very long time. Hmm. Um, yeah. Was just kind of known as a as a uh, Wikipedia calls him a teaching coach, but yeah, he coached the Sharks for those first two seasons. 
They then turned it over from June of 93 to December of 95 to Kevin Constantine. That name I'm who familiar with, yeah. Has coached for 17 bajillion teams. Um, led the Sharks for three years, went to the Penguins for three years, and then ended up in New Jersey in 01 Um Yeah, Kevin Kingston, a name I am not overly familiar with. It then turned from December of 95 to June of 96 to Jim Wiley. Um, R.I.P., by the way, just passed away uh, the day after Christmas in 2021, so condolences there. But yeah, Jim Wiley, who was, um, God, in terms of coaching stats, coached the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Vancouver Canucks for 36 games. And then the final head coach uh, before Dale Sutter was Al Sims who was there from June of 96 to May of 97. So the, sh- the so Sharks. so coaches early on. I mean, dude, they had four head coaches from 91 to 97 before hiring Daryl Sutter. <laughs> yeah. I loved Daryl Sutter. And finally found some stability, but they have a very, uh, a very interesting very yeah. interesting history. Ron Wilson for sure. was brutal, man. The guy would just call out his players constantly. <laughs> you just throw him on the bus. Um, I hope he takes. Uh, I don't know. I kind of hope he takes another job at some point. But he hasn't been. Uh, he hasn't been a head coach since uh, since twenty twelve. Or so coaches on the before TSN panel. Damn. He, he's an old white guy. He'll get yeah. another chance. <laughs> It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, with that, everybody, we will call it quits for today and for this week. Again, we thank you very much for joining us and listening or and or watching the show. Again, shout out to Manscaped for sponsoring us here. Code 2, get checkout, 20% off, free worldwide shipping. Mr. Sim for the win, what do you have going on? Yeah, well, um, obviously you could follow me on Twitter, uh, at SinFTWProd, not on there too much, but of course on the YouTube side of things, Sin for the Win Productions, where I've just started a new series, the Vancouver Canucks. Bruce, there it is. We're starting a new series. Uh, it's it's going to be great. And um, also, on you can follow me on Instagram now, at Paul Cinders. And uh, there uh, on my bio, you'll find a link to my SoundCloud, where uh, my music hey. is and where I'll be releasing a lot of new music as well. I'll probably end up going on Spotify and Apple Music and all that kind of stuff as well. But that's what's going on in my life. There you go. And, of course, you can catch me at uh, 2 24 and uh, TWO. GIE24, the secondary channel that is out there. There'll be some MLB The Show there. And, of course, Twitch is going to be nothing but baby for a decent amount of time with the show 22 dropping. Are you bringing back Tor? Yes. Okay. It is watching. official. I'm fucking it's official. <clears throat> we, we brought him back at the end of last night's stream, the setup. Uh, we played the first three games and hit a home run in game number two to set the tone. Yes. We were drafted. Yes. We were drafted. You're going to love this. By the Colorado Rockies, <gasps> meaning we get to play in cores and hit dingers for fun. <laughs> dingers, dingers. Would you I'm like so to know excited. the terrifying truth? <laughs> would you like to see? Me? Or would you like to see me hit more dingers? <laughs> oh, oh, I can't so yeah, wait to very, watch, man. Very excited for that. So hopefully you guys can tune in over the course of the weekend. Again, we might see you this Monday or Tuesday. Keep an eye out on Twitter. I'll keep you guys updated. Of course, the links are all in the description. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. And we will see you next time. Hit some dingers.